At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. Today's podcast is about acne. Acne, which, are, which is known as pimples or the proverbial zits, can take many forms and usually plagues teens and young adults, but actually can affect people of all ages. There are effective treatments, but for some, acne can be persistent. Where one goes away, others can pop up, creating embarrassments at times, and depending on its severity, the emotional stress and scarring left behind can be socially stigmatizing. Questions that persist, like do factors like hygiene or greasy foods or cosmetics contribute to the problem are often brushed aside for the one key question, which is how do I treat them? Joining me today to update us on the latest in acne treatment is Dr. Judith Kroll. Dr. Kroll is a dermatologist with over 30 years experience and part of the Baptist Health family. Welcome to the podcast, Judy. Thank you for inviting me, Jonathan, and I'm ready to get started. All right. So I think when we deal with these kind of general topics in the podcast, it's always good to start out with a definition. While I think most people who have survived teenage years would know what acne is from a general uh, medical standpoint, how would you define acne in its, uh, in, in its basic uh, elements? Well, most people just think of it as the teenage acne that we get, but actually you can have infant uh, infants who have an infantile acne, neonatal acne, you can have um, adult onset, which is mostly hormonal. There are some very fulminant forms that are very serious and extraordinarily uh, scarring, plus can be associated with other underlying diseases. So acne is just not one disease, but the one that we mostly think of is one where you get flesh-colored bumps, open and closed comers, blackheads and pustules and, um, and nodules and cysts, and they can be very painful. Uh, and so it's really, a, it, it's not just one form. And people can get different presentations of this, this disease. That's fascinating. Again, uh, something that you would think is so ubiquitous is obviously more complex, like most things with medicine than you might otherwise think. And, and you know, and, and again, we think of acne in the face and like be in the back. Are, are there more predominant parts of the body where you see acne? No, m- mostly it's going to be in the uh, the face, the chest, the back, because that's where you have the predominance of the sebaceous glands, which are primary to having this disorder. Um, there are other associated things that you can have, like hyadrenitis supertiva, which is these nodules, inflamed nodules that people can get under their breast, under their arms, in their groin, and it can be associated with forms of acne. Is acne generally considered benign? I mean, as you go through these more uh, complex components in acne, you know, again, we would generally think acne, oh, it's, as we said, hormonal, though it could be more, and it's embarrassing, but it goes away. Uh, are there ever medical conditions related to acne that, that one would need to be concerned about? Absolutely, because there is um, acne conglobata, which is a very inflammatory form of it, and it can be associated with all sorts of underlying issues like psoriatic arthritis. It mm. itself can be an autoimmune disease. 
Um, and here I thought we we're just going to do a simple, you know, <laughs> simple podcast about uh, just basic pimples. But uh, no, this is great information. I always love learning uh, from the podcast that uh, I host. Um, so going further, uh, you mentioned what causes acne a little bit at a high level, which is hormones and what. Can you get a little detail to what actually causes that little inflammatory, you know, uh, component in the skin? Yes, absolutely. And it seems that there are. It's multifactorial. Number one because there are some forms of acne that seem to be more genetic. So if it runs in the family, there's a good chance you're going to get it. And it, it has to do with the way that the layer of dead cells uh, form around the hair follicle. And the hair follicles have the little sebaceous gland that empty it into them. And what first seems to happen is you get these um, sticky dead cells that are at the opening to the pore. Sometimes if they're at close to the surface, you'll see them and it looks like blackheads. It's not dirt. It's dead cells with all their mm. melanin in it that are giving it its color. And what happens is that as that plug forms, you get a sebaceous gland that really is primeval. It knows how to do one thing, and that is to produce sebaceous materials. And it pumps out its oils. It's nowhere for it to go. So what happens is that it forms this uh, little pocket filled with this, this sebaceous material and bacteria then starts breaking down this material into a free fatty acids, which our body doesn't like. And it sets up a whole inflammatory process that occurs. And so uh, there's, and of course, hormones can play a role in it. The bacteria plays a role in it. The, um, the fact whether you have a buildup of these dead cells play a role. And so you can have all forms of acne, just blackheads. You can have um, ones that just look flesh-colored bumps. And they're really um, blackheads. They're just deeper into the skin, so you're not seeing the dead cells build up. And then, of course, once bacteria form, then you can get the inflammatory uh, um, papules, pustules, and nodules. That we all so again, so again, a lot of stuff going on in our body, very complex mechanisms to produce that 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 pimple. That's <laughs> that right. I mean, it's not population. just this easy thing that happens. Yes. Yeah. So let's go through some uh, more, um, you know, lifestyle and other types of questions that people may have. Um, start with some basics. Um, is acne at all genetic? Does it run in families? If a family, if a parent had significant acne as a teen, would that make another teen more likely? Are there other conditions? So is there a genetic or family history? There's definitely a genetic link. But having said that, 85% of uh, individuals from 12 to 24 are going to have some form of acne in their wow. lifetime. So it's fairly you know, so that's pretty high. So yeah. whether you have a family history or not, it doesn't affect whether you're going to get it or not. It's 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 you still have to deal with it. What yeah. about um stress? We always talk about you know stress contributing to acne. Is there any truth to that? And if so, is there is there a known mechanism? Um, absolutely, there is a there is truth to that, and it seems that um, when we are stressed, we we secrete something called substance P into the skin, which is very irritating and it can trigger all sorts of things. You know, if you're acne prone, it can help uh, trigger acne. If you're ex eczema prone or psoriasis prone, it can help trigger that. So stress plays a very large part. So in, this is um, a contributor. 
And then, of yeah. course, it's good that teenage years are just nice and relaxed and there's no social pressures. <laughs> right, so, right. And, the, right. and raging hormones have nothing to they do have nothing with nothing to do with it, right, right. Um, so, so going back and making the jokes, but, you know, because that's what we see. Are there, you did mention it can happen at any age. It can happen in, 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 in children, infants. But the predominant kind of acne we see is, is it in that teenage year group or are there other Absolutely. patterns that you see elsewhere? Yeah, um, it really happens as we are. Our hormones are starting to range, um, and generally, it's about at age twelve. Now we're seeing some precocious puberty now, um, yeah. where you're seeing younger people starting to uh, develop acne lesions, even as early as seven. You know? and, but and then I know yeah. the term. There's a term adult acne. Is that just again by age? It's just again the same process, but it's just staying in the young age or what, what, what is so adult acne? Adult acne is different because whereas the teenage acne can affect both uh, males and females pretty um, equally, the adult acne is really more a woman's problem. Um, and it really has more to do with their hormonal uh, responses. Um, and so you can have women who once a month with uh a week before their period, they start to get these painful nodules. And usually it's a different location. So um, women who get it, adult acne is more on the lower face and the upper neck, whereas in the teenagers, they're more in the T-zone. Hmm. So it's a different acne altogether. So before we get to, you know, I guess the, 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 the germ of the podcast, which is what people can do about it and certainly what's the role of a dermatologist. Uh, two other quick questions I just had. First was, are there diets that or dietary components that have been shown to be relative to acne, certain kinds of macronutrients of foods or anything that uh, seems to be associated with uh, an increased prevalence of acne? This is still pretty controversial. There has been some evidence that maybe skim milk can be a setup for acne, hmm. especially in men. I don't know that this is, uh, you know, proven, disproven. It's something that if I know somebody is breaking out and they have a high diet on this particular type of dairy, I will try to um, discourage them from it to try. It didn't, you know, there was, we always thought that chocolate did it. And then, then chocolate was no, chocolate didn't do it. And then it was nuts. So none of this is really bare fruit. The biggest problem is that we eat a lot of finger, finger food in America and the potato chips and the oils and the French fries. And the, if you um, don't wash your hands after you eat and you're bringing all of that stuff to the right. face, that can help right. set it off. And I remember with the COVID experience, we touch our faces like was it 20 times an hour or 30 times an hour, just you know, constantly say transmitting those oils. That's interesting. And then the other question before we get to, again, what people can do about it is, um, what about makeup? It was something we, we, we brought to attention in our introductory comments, but it's something, again, I see, and I remember seeing my daughter was young, which she's, she's fortunately past that age. Um, does any association with makeup, so the kind of makeup, or do you recommend to, to young girls, uh, young women, you know, to avoid certain makeup uh, components for because of acne? For sure. If, um, if you're acne prone, we will tell you to look for non-comedogenic uh, products or oil-free products. And they're available on the market, uh, okay. and and they are readily marked, so you can find them easily. And then I guess presumptuously because of that as well, which I guess we'll get to, is washing your face, keeping it clean, 
would be beneficial or however you overwashing your face is not good either you know so um we're recommended to really if you're going to wash your face once or twice a day that's it and what's the reason are you taking out natural oils or yes and you know a natural protection so let's get to the let's get to the good stuff um first place when would you think a person should see a dermatologist because of their acne and part of the second part of that question is, as a dermatologist, what do you recommend for people? Or how do you uh, how do you address someone when they come to you with uh, what they perceive as bad acne? So obviously, when it bothers them um, is a good time for them to seek medical yep, care, especially yeah. if they've tried a lot of the over-the-counter things and it's not working. Um, and, and it's interesting because what will bother one person won't bother another. And there are people that I have seen um, out and about who have severe scarring acne. And I wonder why they're not seeking uh, health care, because there is so much that we can do to prevent scarring and prevent the terrible sequela that bad acne can, can leave someone with. And it's not just scars on the face, but there's emotional scarring. And that's an important point, Jonathan, because what happens is that I can have one person who comes in and she and they have a spot and they are so focused on the spot that it is interfering with their ability to want to walk out the door. Um, And then you can have individuals that have severe acne and don't care. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that um, uh, after the, the answer, but you brought that up, which is in your role, you would, I presume, have to customize the approach towards the patient expectation and what their needs are. And some of that might be, you know, emotional support or, you know, I'm sure you're a little bit of a psychologist in some of how you deal with these, these patients as well. Right. I actually have told more than one patient that they have to stop being their own worst enemy, that other people are looking for ways to tear them down and that they have to start focusing on what is wonderful about themselves. Stop looking at the one pimple and realize that they're not seeing that. They're looking at your beautiful eyes. They're looking at, you know, um, the great smile, whatever it is, you know, you, uh, and it is, it's trying to refocus somebody's attention, especially since there are forms of body dysmorphism that's more than anorexia, yeah. you know, and so, um, I do, in fact, have a, it's a lot of what I do is psycho, psychological. Um, but in terms of um, treatment, it's very different depending on what walks in the door. You know, I'm obviously um, going to treat somebody who has just blackheads um, differently than somebody who has inflammatory acne with cysts and pustules and nodules. And so it has to be tailor made. And I also have to recognize that it has to be. The patient has to be invested in taking care of themselves. Um, so there, I get kids who are dragged in by a parent that the acne bothers the parent more than it bothers the kid. And so I, I will do this sort of negotiation. How about if I can give you one thing that you do once a day that will help your acne and make your mom happy? You know, and usually I can, I, we can get to some sort of an agreement that, yeah, they could do that. You know, um, you have to make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you ultimately you want the, 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 the person with the acne to get better. So whatever mechanism and whatever uh, buy-in you get, um, um, has to be, uh, customized as we said. Um, so 
clearly if someone has acne and it bothers them, um, obviously seeing a professional will help not just they can go and buy a cream that everyone buys. There might be something specific to their kind of acne or what's causing it, which you would work with, whether right. it's, but again, is it, is it, uh, is it, is it pills? Is it the uh, creams? Is it just hygiene or, or, or some combination of all of them that you wind up with uh, more? Common? Well, um, for most individuals, um, we have some phenomenal new drugs out there that are topical that for most individuals, I try to steer away from the oral antibiotics, um, unless it really is severe and inflammatory. And then I will start them on a short course of antibiotics to try to calm things down because most topicals will take from six to three months to kind of kick in and actually control it. So there are individuals that are going to need to be on antibiotics to see whether we can slowly wean them off the antibiotic and let the topicals continue to take control. There's also some very good uh, evidence that there are some nutrients that may, may be missing in people's diet. So they have um, there are several now prescription medications that are actually combination of vitamins that are anti-inflammatory that I have found that I can keep individuals completely off the oral antibiotics and use these um, type of vitamin enriched, usually enriched with things like nicotinamide and, and zinc are, are part of those uh, ingredients that are really very effective. So again, best under the auspices and, and direction of a professional uh, dermatologist yeah. for those types of conditions. So here's my last question, I promise, because again, this is actually <laughs> very fascinating information. Um, Differences in the presentation of acne and or treatments and or long-time effects, i.e. scarring, uh, based on the, you know, the, the darkness of one's skin. Are there, are there racial differences or anything having to do with that? Absolutely. Unfortunately, if you are skin of color, you are more able to put down pigments. And so more often, even as the acne clears up, you will be left with what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. But that tends to fade over time. And there are things that we can do to help that. Um, lighter skin, they may not have in, um, pigmentation issues, but they may be left with redness, what we call hyperemia, um, red marks where the inflammatory lesions were. And that too can take a while. Now, of course, the worst ones are when you get severe nodular acne, and that can lead to pitted scars and, and really severe uh, scarring on the face. So that, that, that sort of sequela can lead to longer term um, psychological effects. But you know what? We have some great treatments now. I mean, in my early years, uh, there were very little available for us. I mean, there are so many drugs and some of the old ones that have come back, the, the isotretinoin, which was Accutane that was taken off the market and now uh, is back on the, on the market. When you look at a drug and you can say that a drug can cure 80% of the individuals who take it for the first course, that's unheard of. Yeah. You know, and if people take that drug a second time because it didn't go away, we increase the per, um, the percentage to a 90 percent cure rate. I mean, most drugs don't have that si type of uh, effectiveness. And it, it's really pretty amazing. 
So, and so, so there, there are going to be certain individuals that really need to go on the um, isotretinoin. And, and again, going back and just iterating that point again, um, get the professional help. Um, not a stigma. It's a medical condition. Um, seek assessment and help early if it's something bothering you. Lots of opportunities and lots of weapons available, and, and whether it be lifestyle hygiene, appropriate creams, et cetera, and even medical therapies to make the uh, acne controlled. And most importantly, I guess in certain conditions to avoid scarring for those that might be at risk for scarring. Um, great information. Um, before I wrap up, anything to add or anything you want to uh, emphasize uh, in the conversation? I think the most important thing is that don't hesitate to get help because um, early intervention can really prevent scarring and the and the sequela that follows with um, acne. And even if it starts very mild, it could progress and it's easier to treat it when it's not full fulminant. Yeah. And to that end as well, don't panic. It doesn't require going yeah. to an emergency room when you, when you see it. Right. People as well. Well, this is great, uh, Dr. Judith uh, Crowell, a dermatologist, the Baptist um, in the Baptist system. Uh, again, great information. Really appreciate your uh, your response and your your passion in helping people with this very common condition. And to our listeners, uh, if you have any comments or suggestions for a future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you, and thanks for listening. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.